face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. We are totally back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, and uh, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek. Then we're focused on today, The Vengeance Factor, which is a really interesting... (laughs) So before I get started, this is casual and informal, so it's never professional, or it is professional maybe a little bit. Um, But I'm joined by Gary... Of Trekker Prize. Hello. Hello. And the lovely doctor. Hello, doctor. Lovely. I've, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've shanghaied the doctor for this episode, by the way. <laughs> like, I totally tricked him. He's not he's not amused. He thought he was gonna do a cameo appearance, but I totally uh totally hijacked <laughs> it into this one. So um the Vengeance Factor. Basically, the crew of the Enterprise discover um, uh, a research station or some type of like uh, outpost that has been invaded, and the Federation crew members of the outpost were killed, which leads them to believe that these uh, these uh, this kind of like uh, out of control anarchist type wild group of people called the gatherers right is it was it yes. the gatherers yes yes the gatherers also known as the reavers and serenity um not quite that bad but <laughs> <laughs> but the gatherers are um you know responsible for this so they they know that the gatherers are an offshoot of this other um of this planet they're basically a group that separated like the vulcans and the romulans uh did many years ago um and the gatherers are very animalistic and you know wild and just kind of you know out there lawless if you will and then the what was the name of the um the actual race that the gatherers come from gary can you remember uh, one question. One, uh, one, one, one minute. One second. Um, I can't believe it. I just watched this episode. Akamar. So. Akamar. Thank you. Akamar. Yeah. And Captain Picard says it so beautifully in the episode. He's like Akamarian. Akamarian. Right. So, <laughs> anyway, the Akamarians and uh, you know, Picard realizes to stop the Gatherer raids, he needs to confront the Akamarians. So he goes and he appeals to the sovereign of the Akamarian, Sovereign Maruk. And he says, basically, hey, your people are totally divided. I think it's time that you bring the gatherers 
back home and stop these silly raids and this lawlessness, you're responsible for them and the Federation won't tolerate all this killing of our people. Um, so the Sovereign kind of, she's like, yeah, you know what, it's been a hundred years since we parted ways and you're right, it doesn't line up with our beliefs, let's go bring them home, right? So everything's turning out, you know, kind of uh, is working out well. Uh, you know, the initial meeting with Brule, who's this like, you know, kind of uh, uh, a frat boy is the best way to describe <laughs> him. Um, <laughs> uh, he agrees that uh, the sovereign should meet with the leader of the gatherers, whose name is Chorgan. Um, but meanwhile, the sovereign's handmaiden uh, is obsessed with vengeance because the gatherers killed her family many over 80 years ago. And so she is uh, bent on killing exclusively uh, the family uh, or the clan, as it were, uh, uh, which I forget the name of the clan, of course. But anyways, Chorgan, who's the leader of the gatherers, happens to be in that clan. Um, her name is Utah, And of course, Cap- Commander Riker is has a, a somewhat of a flirtatious romantic relationship with her. And uh, when he finds out that Utah is the killer and that she's uh, bent on uh, killing uh, Chorgan, which could totally ruin any chance of reunification of these peoples, he has to make a difficult decision. So he beams down to the planet and he tries to incapacitate her, but apparently her cellular structure is so uh, manipulated that she can withstand like high level phaser bursts and not be stunned. So he has to disintegrate her and just dis- just destroy her basically. So it ends up being a really kind of sad uh, situation where Riker has to make a tough decision. And uh, but the but fortunately the gatherer it looks uh, promising for the gatherers and the Akamarians uh, and reunification and. Um, Captain Picard, being sympathetic to this, decides that he's going to offer extended shore leave to anyone who needs it because it was a pretty traumatic situation. But I think he's talking directly to Commander Riker. And that's it. That's the episode. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember it now, Doctor? (laughs) The Doctor still doesn't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what did you think of the episode, Gary? Um Wow, okay. Sorry. Um I liked it. I liked it and I didn't like it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I think that's a first for you. <laughs> at least uh, on our discussions. <laughs> maybe, yeah. What 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 did you not like about it? It's it's Riker. Not that I don't like Riker. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's the the end scene when he kills uh, Utah. Basically, he kills Utah. He kills someone in order to save someone else. I mean, okay, that's normally. But she wasn't even as vulnerable and and she wasn't even as you know attacking. Like, okay, if it's a Borg or something, yeah, okay, kill it. One less, but that was a there was a woman and. And innocent, well, not, not very innocent as it turned out, but it was a feeble woman. Why? I he totally... had to just kill it. I, oh my God. And he just turned around and, like, okay, I, I just killed someone. And even Captain Picard was just sitting there, like, <laughs> like, okay, it's totally normal to do that. 
and then after that, when he's in the in the in the temp forward, he's having a, he's having a drink, and Captain Picard goes in with a smile. I think you will you will deserve a break or something. I was like, what? I just I just don't, I just don't get it. I mean, this if some it's it's, it's someone killed someone in order to defend someone else. I mean, okay, in order to defend someone else, but that's I I, I just don't get it. I. I so the doc the doctor hasn't seen this episode in a long time. He may not have even seen it. When oh, so it there was a lot of spoiler then. So, no, it's okay. He doesn't it mind. Ma- it don't matter to me. <laughs> so so the character here, doctor. This may help you. I don't know if you'll rec- recognize the actress who played the the main villain here. Um, <clears throat> her name is Utah. Like so, uh, what's that? Like the state of Utah? Yeah, well, but yeah. it's called Utah. Why? Because Mary was saying that Riker killed Utah. I just, <laughs> I just imagined Riker just killing everybody. No, wait, that, that, that in was the state Texas. of Utah. I was just like, what? Okay, here's the actual. I know there's not many people. Oh wow, that's him killing Utah. Him yeah. killing Utah in in the episode here. Um, so one thing I didn't really go over in my summary is uh, the episode does maybe a maybe a poor job um of really kind of giving you um utah's motive to me she came across as just kind of like batshit crazy um and and she's even like in a lot of the scenes she's like wide-eyed and you know um, the actress plays her almost like a crazy person but i think she is a crazy person so doctor what happens is um, the Akamarians were much like uh, they have a clan system, much like uh, humans did at one point, especially in like Gary, where you live in the Scottish English <laughs> zone. You know, there's there's different clans and clans there's a zone there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a neutral zone. Let's say it's a neutral zone. It's London. It's neutral. <laughs> But clan clan warfare was a big deal on Earth, and so the Akamarians were were much like this. And at some point, the clans were united. So they they must have had their own. Uh, who is it? Um, uh, Robert? Would it, no, it's uh, Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce. Thank you. They must have had their own Robert the Bruce, which uh, unified all the clans. But the most violent uh, members of the society, and they they weren't specific to one clan. But you can imagine that here's this planet Akamar, and this is all imagined. I don't. The episode doesn't really specifically state any of this, but one can imagine that here's this planet Akamar that's just come out of a, a, a stage of clan warfare. What do you do with all the soldiers? These are like the fighters. You know, the uh, you can imagine that these battles were really brutal. I mean, they're wiping out whole clans. So you can, you know, you can one can imagine just yeah. how how brutal these battles are so these war this warrior class which encompasses all these clans chose to leave because they couldn't live among uh the akamarians anymore and that's what became the gatherers um so this fighting class just kept now that they're not fighting they're raiders they they steal from you know they're pirates basically um anyways Utah's character belongs to this uh, clan, and I forget the name of it, but uh, it, it was a cool name. I forget what it is. Um, the but, Lornak clan. No, the Lornak clan. Oh, wait, is, that was a Walnut clan then. Utah. No, 
So Utah's uh, oh, wait, okay. Utah's <laughs> clan was the, was something with a C, I think. But anyways, he? Utah's clan was wiped out except for five people, Doctor. Five people. And so they pooled their resources together and genetically modified Utah. So <laughs> it sounds funny whenever I say Utah now, I think it's a mistake. <laughs> they gen- genetically modified her so she could live a long life. And apparently she's this warrior beast of a like a, a warrior she's just like i mean you could tell like Riker has to like when you it's worth the the trelesta clan thank Trelestis, you Trelestis, yeah when 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 Riker has to like subdue utah i mean he goes through like four phaser settings and she's still trying to kill this other guy before he finally has to just disintegrate her he has to go to the maximum kill setting or the you know phaser setting to kill her so she's been heavily genetically modified as an assassin she killed she's successfully killed there's only three people left in this lorna the cl- the rival clan so she, so she successfully killed one guy 80 years ago she kills another guy uh on while the planet while they're on the planet negotiating yeah. but he was an old person so the crew the crew mostly dismiss it as uh, a natural death, although Dr. Crusher suspects more, and that's how we find out <laughs> that she's the killer. Um, and then finally, when she's about to kill the leader of the... He's just incident... For her, she's incidentally the leader of the raiders, of the gatherers. But he's a Lornak in this other clan. So she goes in, and she's about to kill him, and that's what Riker finally prevents um, from happening. So she's unable to fulfill her vengeance factor. Uh, if it if it will if to play on the the theme, so well, it it sounds like there was nothing else to be done. <coughs> What's that? Yeah, no, I think there was no choice. But so Riker, Gary, why why do you why is, yeah. are you disturbed by that? <laughs> or do you think there was another way? There should have been another way to lock her up or something instead of instead of killing her. I mean, I know she, she as she said, she was this 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 bad destined to, you know, to kill the to finish the business. She couldn't have you know died just you know not finishing the business. If she kills Chorna, then you know doesn't matter what happened with her. But then that's that's just I, I don't think know. It's a, I it's think a bit more far fetched. This this uh, story in a way of fanatism and and murder then uh, that's the one aspect what I didn't really like about this episode so you you thought that maybe a solution would have been like instead of Riker <laughs> basically disintegrating this woman yeah. he could have said Enterprise beam Utah to the brig yeah so <laughs> but but wouldn't wouldn't she have tried to then escape and 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 I mean, isn't she a character that's so driven yeah. to kill these people that she would have done anything to escape and then continue to try and kill whoever it is she has to kill? I mean, is that what her character was like? I think so. I don't think that she would ever have stopped. In fact, during the romantic kind of flirtatious sequences, there's this interesting uh, side. Wait, Riker sleeps with this girl? No, he no. actually he actually doesn't sleep Refuse, with her. Yeah. Because Riker, <coughs> Commander Riker's act for the first time I've ever seen Commander Riker's actually <laughs> slightly um slightly perturbed by her. So she's very dutiful. She's she's she her ma- excuse me, she masquerades as the handmaiden to the sovereign. 
and she's always she's very formal and and she really takes on this um persona of a servant uh very um dutifully i guess you should say so there's a scene where uh they're having like a little you know uh, when when he first meets yuta um they're having a conversation and she's like where's the kitchen and Riker's like well i could certainly help you uh with those arrangements but hey come over here to the food you know the matter replicator and he you know and he teaches her how to use the matter replicator um and so that's when they're kind of like relationship begins and Riker's very charming of course and Utah as always <laughs> you know Utah seems charmed by him so she breaks from her persona just a little bit you know this dutiful kind of servant um she's actually the chef <laughs> it's always the <laughs> by the way it's always the cook as we know from the hunter in October it's always the cook <laughs> good for you to throw in the red October reference thank you <laughs> but um but so she breaks from her kind of formality with him so it intrigues him and then in another scene uh a friendship i would say that a friendship definitely develops where riker's intrigued by her in another scene um you know she's uh talking to him about you know she prepares a dish for him and they're having a conversation and again she just seems very she doesn't break from her duty her role as the cook as the servant and she just kind of stays in that and riker's trying to get her to loosen up there's a scene where she kind of throws him herself on him and she's like, I will serve all your needs. And he's like, no, that's not what I want. I want your needs to be fulfilled just as much as I want my needs. He wants an equal lover, not a, uh, a subservient lover. So he's, it's definitely not 50 shades of Riker. <laughs> oh my <God>. <laughs> <laughs> there's no dominant submissive wow. role play role in, in <laughs> i didn't know what i was missing today <laughs> wow. the last episode 50 shades of troy the last episode was definitely 50 shades of troy oh my god it was definitely 50 shades of troy. wow and at least a 10 shade of uh crusher as well <laughs> oh wait a minute now i gotta, <laughs> I gotta check this out <laughs> so do, the doctor said something about this season and he said that it actually started off really strong and i totally agree with him we're at a point now where it kind of like i would say that the season started off with these eight eight and nine episodes and we're kind of we've dipped into like the sevens. So I do think that this whole season so far has a lot of merit and, and it's it is a very strong season. You can tell this writer strike was terrible for the previous season. Um because there is a, a difference. Even these episodes that you would consider like, you know, banal or you know, or character driven, you know, not sometimes star you know, sometimes Star Trek is, is not <laughs> In other words, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, even this episode, which isn't not a lot's going on, it's still compelling because there's a lot of character development that I think helps us with these act, you know, these characters later on when there's less of that, like in the movies. <laughs> but going back to Utah, Gary, I think to the doctor's point, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on on his is that I do think that. 
yes, there's an element of dramatic storytelling, obviously here, and suspension of disbelief. But I, I didn't, I, I didn't think it was so far fetched. I think Riker had no choice because he tried to stun her, and she's just, she just kept going at Chorgan, you know, and 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 I think the doctor's right. If they had put her in the brig, you know, she must have been just, you know, trying to. Well, I mean, the, yeah, the, I mean, I can, I can, I can see that point, right? Yeah. And Chorgan, you know, and just even let's just say let's like let's like take this even further. Let's say she gets in the brig, right? Then the natural sort of progression of her fate is that she would be then transferred to the Akamarian authorities, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, she attempted to kill this leader of the gatherers. He says in that scene, he's like, when he realizes that she's trying to assassinate him, he says in the scene, he says, you will not leave this place alive, right? Hmm. She will be a sore point for the Akamarian gathering reunification. I don't think Chorgan would have moved forward with peace and reunification knowing that Utah was still alive and in prison, he would have demanded or called for her death. So her fate was to die anyways. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like point taken. <laughs> so I think, I think if you take it to the, I, I, I don't know, maybe it is a little far fetched that Riker didn't just be her to the brig. And, but I think as far as like dr- drama goes, I loved it. Cause it was very dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it was very dramatic. Yeah, but the, the the thing is, you know, he constantly changing the stunning uh, mode on the phaser as well. Like, okay, the normal setting didn't work, then go and higher up and higher up and higher up and then disintegrate. Yeah, it was really hard to watch because you're like, oh, it was like a torture game. Yeah, at the end, and that's I, that I was something. What okay, just rather stun her or kill her or just you know stop her somehow because. I don't know. It was he's trying his best to stop her. I mean, like uh, she's genetically modified, obviously, to withstand phaser fire. I mean, that's insane. Like, I mean, mm. it takes three blasts to get a Klingon down. I mean, she's like ridiculous. Like, like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> so it's like true, okay. you know. So I, I mean, would, yeah. Go ahead. It, it was, was she was gene- genetically engineered to be. A killer, right? A killer, yeah. perfect assassin. So, I mean, I mean, of course, I didn't see the episode, but it it sounds. And I just took a look at the summary, and the and the companion, and oh, it, it just it just seems like she was just built to kill, and uh, kind of like a Terminator. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, do, do do you put the Terminator in the brig, or do you destroy the Terminator? <clears throat> well, um, okay, good, okay, good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably or, disintegrate the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it seems like Riker obviously <laughs> had some some regret, right? Because you said, oh yeah, well, the the end is forward, and Picard comes to him, and yeah. I'm pretty sure he was uh, empathic and sympathetic for her because you know right. she she actually said okay I'm 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 not slave but I'm you know I'm I do what they ask for and I just I just I would just ever do yeah she's programmed right. that's a really great that's a really great way of putting it she's programmed now if the show had time an interesting exploration would have been deprogramming her and you know rehabilitating her 
but there's no time for that on Next Generation. They didn't write stories like that, you know, that this could have panned out just like the Mentakin episode. Uh, I forget who it was, Ronald Moore. So yeah. He, he could have explored a whole season with just that theme. And it's very true. Like, had had they created, had Utah been Wesley? What if Wesley was programmed to assassinate? You know, it, it's someone we've been we've been following. It might have been an interesting thing because you would have had to then deprogram him. But she's just a guest star. This is like just a moment. We never see the Akamarians again, as far as I know. No, <laughs> like, actually, I don't, I don't think. Um, oh, are they? <laughs> This this is non-canon, but uh, apparently, <laughs> as <laughs> Akamar was decimated by the Borg at some point, and uh, it's in the novel. It's in the Next Generation novel, Greater Than the Sum, which was released in two thousand eight, and it is a series of novels that takes uh, that are direct sequels to Nemesis, and uh, a. I found the mention of Akamar. This is the paragraph. I'm going to read you the paragraph, and <laughs> you tell me what you think. Okay. <laughs> With the crisis over, Picard agrees to Beverly's request to try for a baby, and she becomes pregnant. What? However, sometime <laughs> afterwards, the Borg launch attacks on Akamar, decimating them. <laughs> so I'm what this is uh really deep here um yes it's all happening after nemesis this is so picard (laughs) let me let me just read that again (laughs) card agrees to beverly's requests oh beverly Beverly. Um, Beverly, I agree to your request to have a baby. <laughs> what Make is it so. wrong with that guy? <laughs> Make it so, Beverly. It just, it just sounds like he has to be roped into it. Like, all right, I'll do it. Who? What? What? What is Look, the name of the? Can we? Can we just? Engage. I mean, really? Would you say no? Gosh. I would. I would not refuse, Doctor Crusher. And I'm gay. So that's all I gotta say. <laughs> I think you said it all right there, but I mean, what the hell is wrong with Picard? We have to this And but and can Crusher still get pregnant at that I, age? We've established in a previous twenty fourth century anything can happen. Yeah, we really? okay, it. that's true. That's because true. Keiko's <clears throat> mom is like eighty or ninety in DS nine. We established Drunk Space Nine address. Uh, advanced aged births in the future um, there's an episode that says Keiko is going to see her mother uh-huh. who's like in her 90s uh-huh. and Keiko's <laughs> only in her 30s so that means Keiko's mom had her when she was in her 60s oh oh no sorry 50s 50s I'm doing the math oh, all wrong. 50s. that's yeah, old by our <laughs> what's that Russia is a good 10 years older than that. No, and, and ne- this is like I, years after, this is after Nemesis, man. In Nemesis, Crusher's like 50. She's around that age. I don't think she's. Let's find out. Let's Let see what find the, out, please. Let's see what the Google says. Let, what does the Google say? <clears throat> I mean, don't get me wrong. 
I don't care how old she is, but <laughs> I, I'm just like, all right. How much longer are these people gonna? Are they gonna live long enough to raise this kid? I don't. I don't get it. Especially <laughs> okay, there, there doesn't seem to be a, a definitive part. answer on Doctor Crusher's age. However, is this in her let's fall do card? this. What year did Nem? Yeah, what year did Nemesis uh, come out? Uh, I'll tell you right Does now. Does anyone know? What? what you mean the year in terms of Two, the film? Two thousand two. Yeah. So let's find out how old Gates McFadden was in two thousand two. <laughs> oh look, so she's sixty eight years now. She's okay. Eight years old now. And that book takes place like like five years after Nemesis. And to, so, Gary, can you do the math here? Oh, oh, so she's like fifty something. So she's so, fifty something. So there, I was right. Okay, all so right. There. Okay, all right. Then, still can be. Well, but you know, they're <laughs> pushing it. Starfleet boys' intuition prevails. Okay. But they're pushing it. Picard, I don't know what Picard's problem is. I mean, really, he's like I mean, family man. I guess that's that's his only problem. Well, it's odd because it, doesn't he lament about that in in generations that he never had yeah. a child? So you would think he would yeah. jump. I, maybe the writer didn't take that into account because I think, on the contrary, it would be more true to Captain Picard's character to jump on the chance to have a child. It would be more. Well, like, he kind of stated it in generations. He's, he's kind of said it as well. Um, there's not going to be any more Picard. The family dies with him. Yeah. That's what he well, said. Well, according um, to this. Now i got to find out how this ends. <laughs> I like how we jumped from. Well, but it's yeah. cool how it ties in, though, because the Akam- <laughs> so we haven't even discussed that. The poor Akamarians, they reunite, they reunificate, or whatever. That's not a word. They unify. <laughs> they unify, and then they're destroyed not too long after by the Borg. It's terrible. Um, I thought another interesting thing about this episode was the idea of unification, because as we... Because it happens later with the Vulcans and the Rom. Well, it starts happening with the Vulcans and the Rom. Yeah. Um, in Next Generation. So I think that's an interesting thing. What do you think... Well, humanity is obviously unified in Star Trek. Do you feel that's a realistic thing? Do you think that one day... Is, is that where we're trending? Or do you think the naysayers and doomsdayers are more correct in that we're even humans are going to grow further apart and destroy ourselves. <laughs> Ooh. I know what I hope for, obviously. Well, no, <laughs> I think we hope for the same thing, but reality is unfortunately draws a different picture. Although I have faith. I still have faith. It will end up as we seen in Star Trek. It's not going to, it's not going to be easy, but it will I think we will achieve if we won't destroy ourselves first. <laughs> I'd love to get a. I know the doctor uh, studies history, but I'd also love to get any of our, you know, any anyone's opinion who really studies anthropology and history and uh, archaeology to know. I feel I do feel that the world is, if you were to look at human humanity as a whole, 
across time, we are probably more unified as a people, as a world today, than we ever have been in the history of, of humanity. So even though we are we are faced with our own you know, darknesses and our own problems today. And we're certainly, you know, right now, we're definitely in a time of uncertainty all over the world. Um, I do think overall in the span of history, beyond just our our, our lives today, um, I do think overall that that is the trend, or at least that's what it feels like from what I've seen and what I've read. I don't, I don't know if you guys agree with that. So, yeah, I do think that, like, it's very likely that we're headed that way. But the danger does exist that we could become, like, the Akamarians and the Borg will wipe us out. <laughs> just, well, when we, not, just when we all unify. Just when, <laughs> well, an asteroid could also hit our planet. There's a lot of things that can kill our civilization. <laughs> Which is why we need to invest in the space program even more and travel out. And humanity should spread and diversify so that if anything should happen to the home world, uh, humans, the, the great and bountiful human empire and civilization will continue. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, I had a video about this like a good five months ago, I think. So, you know, with, with the Mars program and everything, would I go to Mars? Would I leave planet Earth and start a new life in a different planet? I know what Werner uh, Herzog would do, but what would you do? <laughs> 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 I know. No. <coughs> Funny enough, it's, it's challenging to you know to go out to space. But I always believed um, if we want to go out out of space, we have to solve our dif- difference. We have to solve our problems here first, and then because if we don't solve our problems, those problems can you know come again in a different different situation, different surface, and different planet, hmm. different region of space. So I think we should. Uh, that's just my uh, thinking at the moment. Maybe after a couple of years, it will change. But I do think we should, you know, instead of going out. Obviously, that's that's a really good um, um, thing to looking forward to. But definitely solve the problems here first, because everything is started here. Then we we should go out when we are ready, really. Like the, like they they said it in the Prime Directive. You know, if you're not ready for space travel. You're not ready for space travel. You're not ready for join with the space and all the galaxy and the universe. I would love to. Don't get me wrong. I would love to. But I think humanity has problems and they have to solve it first. And they have to go together, not, you know, we have folks there and folks here. And they launch the rocket to the space and the other one will follow and, you know, together, not separately. You know, it's interesting that you feel that way, but if I know the doctor's watching Enterprise right now, how far are you in Enterprise, Doctor? Uh, about seven episodes. Okay. Ooh, very beginning. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. the what's cool about Enterprise and, and you know I I can't wait to rewatch that series too because I, I know that there's a lot of interesting things. But if I'm not mistaken, it's pre Federation, pre Starfleet. Yep. Well, Starfleet exists, but not Federation. Okay. There's but no it's, Federation. Yeah, yet. it's pre-Federation. And it, so if you take the time of Enterprise, which is how many years before TOS? Like 100, 80 100. years? 80 years. Like Maybe 100 years. Could be. So, 21, 21 50, 51, I think, is the year. 
something. Mm-hmm. All right. So let so from the time of Enterprise to Star Trek: The Next Generation, let's say it's just roughly two hundred years, right? Yeah. That means the stability and the um, and the you know unification and the peace and like the harmony and like the bounty that we all come to know of the Federation has only really existed for a very short period of time and so even by star trek's uh timeline though we were already traveling and exploring and settling on other planets even before humanity solved all its problems so to speak so i think so i think it's important to yes solve our problems but also to keep exploring and to keep going i think there is something about it uh, about our human nature where we do feel like we need to discover new things like the, yeah, absolutely i'm, I'm totally like, ambiguous yeah. on this so so i don't th- so that's why i feel like yes we do need to solve a lot of problems here on earth and i and i, I know there's a lot of people that are like don't invest in the space program solve all the problems on earth how about let's not invest in war fair or you know yes. like things like that or or not or or how about we <laughs> how about we invest more in education because we haven't tried that those things yet you know i mean like those are not things that we've really earnestly tried and in small pockets when we have tried those things they work really well so maybe it's time to like implement these things on a large scale so i feel like there's this old guard that believes strength and power are what keeps stability and and this there's this other guard that is trying to say no it's strength and power comes from um openness and and inclusiveness and you know uh and like you know the world is is moving towards this kind of like notion it's 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 going to be interesting but my point is is that it just helps us to. I, I agree with like Stephen Hawking and some of the other scientists. To say it's just going to help us to have colonies on the moon and Mars. It's just it's just going to be better for humanity as a whole to venture out and spread out and 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 start to populate these other places. And because if we can conquer look at how harsh the environment of the moon is and and especially look at how harsh the environment of mars is but if we as humans while we're also solving our problems here on earth can conquer these environments i feel like our robustness as a species will only increase (laughs) sorry i got on the soapbox there didn't i no no it's well said it's well said um i agree with what you stated and uh and I, i think um you know, I echo your your comments. You know, the, we're never going to be able to, to st- okay, let's stop and fix world hunger and, and then we'll move on to the next thing. And, and it's just not going to work out that way. I think Star Trek kind of sets up that premise. But unfortunately, I think Star Trek is a nice thing to strive for, but we're never going to quite reach there. I think we're going to be more like Babylon 5, Babylon 5 you saw humans portrayed very differently than they are in Star Trek. On Babylon 5, you know, you still had people killing each other over religions that viewers recognized as religions that are happening right now and mm-hmm. and, and stuff and uh, and racism and things like that. So I think all that, all that is going to follow us into the stars. Well, and- 
And I have to say, to Star Trek's credit, DS9 really dives deep and addresses those same right things. So uh, right. Star Trek does tackle this problem as well. Just uh, not the humans. I mean, the Bajorans went into right. space and they still have all their prejudices and all that stuff. And and so if you want to take Bajor as a as a substitute for Earth, then I mean that's a good one. Right. It's um, always. It's, I will say, agree. You're right. In Star Trek, humans seem to have overall have elevated to this like you know enlightened, enlightened kind yeah. of state you're absolutely right so yeah uh which of course was something that was very i mean in some ways you could say or you can argue necessary uh on the part of of the show in the 60s because the 60s was such a dire time and and it things look so grim so the vision of such a positive and utopian vision was something that that resonated at the time of the first Star Trek, of the original Star Trek in the 60s. And the same, but, I would say, for the 80s and the late 80s and 90s with Next Gen. So, um, uh, I'm going to read from the book. Excellent. <laughs> bookmarked here. Let me see what it says. The Vengeance Factor. Um, Lisa Wilcock, who I'm guessing she's the the assassin. Yes. Lisa. Counts among her credits a three month stint on General Hospital. Oh. She also survived encounters with Freddy Krueger in parts four and five. <laughs> That's why she looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Freddy Krueger couldn't get her, but Riker sure did. (laughs) No, Riker refused her. No, but killed her. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Um, Let's see, what else? Oh, there is a non-speaking blonde gatherer somewhere in the episode. Yes. That is Marina Sirtis' real-life boyfriend, whom she married in June of 1992. Wow. Good trivia. The fusion reactor seen in the episode was previously used in Who Watches the Watchers. Oh, yeah, we just... That was this season. That's right. Oh, there was a battle, by the way, in this episode. Nice. I missed the battle. There was a phaser fight. (laughs) And this episode... Clear. Apparently, I can't believe nobody has mentioned this at all. This is huge. <laughs> what? It is established in this episode that Data is indeed stronger than Worf. Please discuss. Wait, when was that? Oh I yeah, but the begin just the beginning of the episode when he tried to open the door and he's like, "Oh, it's jammed," and then Data goes and it's open. Oh, it was like totally subtle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Guys, this is big news here. I, I think you mean Data hasn't gone crazy and like smacked Worf with one hand. That hasn't happened yet. Does that ever happen? No, you're, you're thinking of the guy from the with the little critters inside of him. Oh, that's right. Where he just he just bitch slaps Riker <laughs> across the across the room. No, but just on just on Worf defense. I mean, that was kind of stupid because in in one hand he had the uh, the torch on, and he just tried to open the door with one hand. It's like, who does that? And they just go there and with two hands. So if I'm pretty sure Borb doesn't have the torch on. The, uh, 
I will say the opening scene, <laughs> the opening scene with the Federation science outpost had one had a really cool alien landscape, and I think the remastering they must have done something with the map painting because there seemed to be movement and things like that that I don't recall. Uh, no, there wasn't, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually went back to that scene uh, twice or three times and actually googled the picture too. But uh, no, it's I don't know. It just, it just you can feel it. It's a backdrop. I don't know. I liked it. I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. It was green. Here, I... it was green. Everything was green. That that was a special, cool, special effect. And I remember when Doctor Grusher finds the um, the um, that part. Be the blood, and Riker was, you know, using the light and everything, and everything is so green. But her face actually got in the focus points. So it's just like, wow. Okay, that was a nice shot. <laughs> oh wow! I have a question. Well, there, so there's a bit of sorry. Go ahead. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead oh, well, there, there's a little bit of trivia that you didn't have in there. This is the last episode that aired in the 1980s. So Next Generation always premiered in the fall. Wow. So this 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 was the last. Uh, this must have been the around December of '89, and then the next episode. Um, it says it first aired in the UK on December 11th of 91. So the UK didn't get it for two years later. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But anyways, what was your question, Doctor? What? Okay, you know, I've, I've, I always make a, a comment as to, you know, I feel this is a Picard episode or a Riker episode or whatever. Whose episode is this? It's definitely a Riker episode. Yeah, I would is, say so. Is there any runner-up? Is there a B-plot? Uh, no. Picard. No, I would say Picard. No. It's a Picard record. It? Because Picard's playing the diplomat, and he does... Oh, yeah, and he does whole, it really well. He does it really well. So I would say this was definitely a Riker-centric with a Picard B-plot. So, yeah, that's that's where I would say put this in. Now, I've heard some mentions of Crusher, though. Crusher does some sleuthing. She's integral in helping to find out that Utah is the killer. And actually, that's one of the things... Uh, I guess it's a caper in that sense, and you know they're trying to sleuth it out, and she's the one who kind of she starts by so okay, this is good because the doctor hasn't seen this, so we have to do a little <laughs> explanation here. Utah, the way Utah kills is she has she she's able to transmit through touch a vi- she's the carrier of a virus. Yep. Oh, like Baron von Strucker. Okay. From it's a Nick Fury comic. Baron oh, okay. Right okay, okay, noted. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was like, okay. Never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she, <she's a laughs> Only I understand that reference. She's a carrier. No, I bet there's people out there who understand the reference too. But she's she's the. You're like no. Only <laughs> she carries this virus, and the virus is genetically engineered, just like her, to specifically only be fatal to people in that in the clan. The, the Lornak clan because these clans oh, are yeah these fa- clans are family based so, so she's truly engineered to only kill these people she's truly engineered to only okay, kill these Gary, people okay Gary I'm sorry but there's nothing Riker could have done man everything <laughs> I hear I'll be you, like, you a point taken I was wrong okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry man this lady had to go down but go ahead get, get so I know I just like making the case here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wow. yeah so yeah dig, let's dig deeper her into a hole here deeper um <laughs> uh so yeah so she she so crusher 
when she first beams down to examine the body of her first victim in this ep- or her second victim ever, but her first victim in this episode, um, Crutcher says, well, he died of a heart attack, but the strange thing is his heart is healthy. So obviously that's intriguing. The begins. That tips her off, right? Yeah, that tips her off. And then she discovers this unique virus. And actually there's a really cool scene because right. She, she calls Riker in to discuss it with him and he walks in and he's like doctor you're scowling and it's like whoa what are you doing here like it's kind of a weird scene but um Riker misses it she's the one who kind of suggests kind of tips him off you know he's not seeing it right away um you know when she points out the thing about the virus how it's specifically engineered and he's like so you mean to say this virus was specifically engineered blah 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 and she's like yeah and she's like yeah or to murder someone and he's like dun 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 there's like this like like moment where it dawns on him and then um later on um you know uh there's a cool scene where they're all kind of uh, at a research station uh at a computer terminal on the bridge and that's when they kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together so to speak and if i'm not mistaken there was a really neat conversation was it in it wasn't in this episode. <laughs> Sorry, it was in the last episode. But Jordy and Data talk about how humans use intuition to fill to fill the the pieces of a puzzle. And you really see that in action here where all these hunches are kind of come to get, coming together with the facts to form the picture and that's when they realize that Utah. The way that they find out is that there's this and you'll rem, you might remember this um this character's name but um what was that guy her first victim has a cool name uh let me see if i can find it here see if the actor is credited on imdb then this name has stuck in my head too because when i heard it on the episode although now it escapes me um rest of the cast hey they don't actually mention him the guy who died the guy the original guy who died oh wait i'll i'll have it here do, do, do. google is an amazing thing um because you can type <laughs> All kinds of... no no it's not the one that's Walnut? the the original guy that she That's killed you. eight years ago. Oh, so, he had a really cool name. Anyways, Humbert, they they uncover a picture of her first victim. And they see Utah in the picture, and that's when Riker's like, she hasn't aged a bit in eighty years. There's something, Ooh. you know, up here, and that's kind of how they. That's what leads them to beam down and kind of confront her. Cool. He's uncredited. I wonder if. Uh... <clears throat> you know what? I'm, I'm going to find out. Just give me a second. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, I know. It's, it's something with M. <laughs> something in my head, too. Uh... Anyways, this episode was written uh, by someone I don't recognize, Sam Rolf, um, and it was directed by Timothy Bond. And, uh, <laughs> Bond. 
Penthormul. That's the name. Penthormul. Penthormul. That sounds Penthor like a Star Wars name. Or Galaxy Quest. <laughs> or Galaxy? Did you say Galaxy Quest? By Draktar's Quest? hammer, I shall avenge you. <laughs> Never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Penthormul. It's like such a great, great name. Wow. Talk about a cool. name. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I think we uh, really, uh, wow, without you having seen the episode, you really uh, brought a lot to the discussion there, Doctor. Yeah, I'm, I'm considering <laughs> just stop. I'm just going to stop watching the episodes and just do this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's better I should, I should if try I watch it. I should try it next time, too. Yeah, <laughs> no, you should try it, Gary. We should try, we should try next time. No one watches yeah. anything. You're just going to talk I, about it. No, I think we have to have a minimum standard. At least if there's... Yeah, you don't watch the episodes. <laughs> I'm the only, You're a Starfleet boy. I'm the only one who needs to have watched the episode. You're the only one who watched your show, man. We're just um, along for the ride. <laughs> that's funny. Um, well, there's a scene... So, what? I guess, before we give it our rating... There's a couple of Wesley moments in this episode. Oh, Wesley's in it? Wesley's in it. <laughs> and He hasn't he, been in the last... No, wait. What was the last episode? Well, the last episode you and I talked about, He's he was responsible for oh, the... Oh, for, for the new... Okay, so he was in the last episode. You're right. Yeah, so... And then in the previous to this episode, what was what did Wesley do in the last Does episode? Yeah, no, no. It was the bonding, was it? Was it? No, I'm saying in the in the price did Wesley? I don't oh, think he was in the. No, price. he wasn't in there. I th- I don't I don't. Or remember at least him. we don't remember him in that episode. But in this episode, no. uh, one of the um, you know the the initial point of contact with the um, with the gatherers is this kind of like sub leader, I guess, Brule. And Brule acts like his name. He's just like a really kind of, you know, basically just like a, a bully. And um, he yells a lot, too. So he has this scene, I guess, in Ten Ford where Wesley conveys some of his prejudices just based on his appearance and things like that. And um, and he, uh, Brule enlightens him and says, well, I've got kids. I have three children. One of them's your age. And so that kind of gives them a little bit more uh, common ground, I guess. So that's kind of like an interesting scene. Oh, and another scene we didn't talk about that um, I'm just remembering now is um, the uh, during the phaser fight, um, they come up with a solution where Riker's like, we need, we can't just like knock these people out. We need to try to establish contact with them to start negotiations. So they do kind of like a... Um, they kind of do a bait and switch sort of thing where uh, Riker starts melting this metal to create this like, f- you know, f- fume. And then he falsely says Enterprise uh, three to beam out or four to beam out. And instead of beaming out, they they just kind of stay there and hide. And so the uh, gatherers think the Enterprise crew are cowards and that they've left. And then they ambush the gatherers. And that's kind of how they take the upper hand on that. And just to go back to Picard, I think there was a moment in this episode where we see Picard being really forceful with Brule, and I thought that was a great yeah. uh, lesson in how to deal with bullies. <laughs> not, not just we see even me, Mar- Maruk. Yeah, he's even with her as well. It's like but, sit down and talk, you know. <laughs> a- Akamarians obviously are hot-tempered 
people. Now the the sovereign tries to be a little bit more composed yeah. and elevated, but even she loses her temper at one point. But Brule's just out of control. I mean, he's just like a like a total clown. You know, he's just very like unpredictable and you know thinks violence is funny and things like that and picard at one point is like sit down da, da, da. you know he just like yells at him but on the bridge uh one there's this one scene in particular where brule makes some kind of statement i don't remember what it was but picard's answer is just to stare him down angrily there's no oh, yeah, dialogue he has, a, he has a remark on wesley like what yeah. a kid does in the ship oh, he's like, uh, yeah. breach what's a kid doing on your ship and picard just like stares him gives him like the Patrick Stewart, <laughs> the full we get the full Picard, the full in the Picard, scene. And, he, <laughs> and he stares him down and he subdues him immediately with this like epic stare, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> so, um, I have another question. Sure. What, what do you think are the are the what determines, what factors determine that Starfleet or the Federation, rather, sends an actual diplomat. Because we've certainly seen episodes where <laughs> there's a situation where they send a diplomat and the Enterprise is just, you know, trans, you know, just transporting the diplomat to the situation. And, but in some capacities, Picard is acting as a diplomat, as you seem to be because indicating uh, here in this episode. I don't, so I what, think, it, I, I don't think they here. need, I don't think they needed, needed to have a special diplomat in this case, because the whole situation was a uh, sort of a rescue mission, and then they found out who was the uh, attacker, and then they went to Ekomar, and then, you know, the rest is just story. So they had, they, I think they sort of had to act in the scenes. I mean, they didn't have to, they didn't have time to okay, go back to somewhere and pick up a diplomat and, you know, go and solve the situation. I mean, Picard had to engage himself more into the situation to actually help resolve all the problems. But, you know, I, I, I don't think they had really time to to make this uh, choice. I think it's, up and, and, I think it's safe <laughs> to presume that if you're on a f- exploration mission, which both the original NCC-1701 Enterprise mm-hmm. and the D and supposedly the, you know, the ones in between were on, that your captain should be trained as in, in the ways of diplomacy just by default because there or and this is something Star Trek Discovery could Im- implore, explore, and maybe that's what Sarek's position on the Enterprise is, I mean, on the Discovery is, is that maybe you carry a diplomat with you on your voyage but kirk certainly did a lot of diplomacy i don't know if he's no if people remember him for it but or you know or it might have been as as another, no, yeah, he did he did you know as another uh show would say his was more of a cowboy dis- diplomacy <laughs> <You know? laughs> um or what is it? Aggressive negotiations. Um, but no, that's, um, Star Wars. that's Star Wars. Yeah. But I guess, <laughs> uh, what is it? Um, sorry. Reagan was known as a cowboy diplomat, right? I guess. But I think as the, as the captain of, of a starship, especially on an exploration mis- mission, it is almost part and parcel to your role to be part diplomat. And I think Janeway is also diplomatic when you see her encountering others. And yeah, she's very diplomatic. This yeah. So I think that like starship captains, exploratory missions almost a prerequisite that you are 
trained as a diplomat, even though you're not, that's not your main role, obviously. So no, I'm pretty sure they have to because they are the represent, representative to the Federation as well. So if right. any any time if they encounter a new race, a new civilization, they have to represent the Federation. But yes. what's different about Picard is he seems to really enjoy these <laughs> aspects. No, he really does. And I think that had he not been a captain, obviously we think he would have been an archaeologist, but he could have also gone into diplomacy. And so it wouldn't be surprising to me if, you know, it wouldn't have been surprising if Picard had turned into Ambassador Picard at some point, you know, after his captaincy or admiralcy or whatever. Uh, Worf does, doesn't he? Worf becomes an ambassador. Oh, yes. In life, yeah. And we know that Spock follows in his father's footsteps and becomes Ambassador Spock uh, from the next generation. So there's... You know, diplomacy is an interesting occupation, and I think that um, I think it's good that uh, Star Trek really highlights it. Mm-hmm. I agree. That is that's pretty that's pretty much it. That's the whole episode. So now, Doctor, you have to give it a rating based on our discussion. <laughs> what? No, that, that, I think that I I think it's unfair. I must refuse myself. So doctor's opting out of the rating. Right. Um, I'm out of the rating. I'm gonna go first this time, and I'm gonna say it's a six point five. A little, li- a little bit lower um, for me, even than the price. Even though the price, you know, uh, <laughs> was was a dip from like the high that we were experiencing before. Um, but a six point five only because I thought very confused. I do think that the writers. <laughs> I do think that the writers writers had to compress and you could see a little bit of that i thought what i didn't talk about is i thought utah's character was like not very cohesive and i didn't really feel empathy for her at all in fact i was <laughs> in fact i feel like gary experienced the empathy but i definitely didn't i was just like kill the bitch and that was you know that was not what i think the intention was <laughs> And uh, that's about it. So, yeah. And I didn't, you know, and now I'm bummed that the Akamarians are totally decimated <laughs> by the board. So, a 6.5 on this episode. I think I'm going to go with 7. Okay. So, solid I'm, 7. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving up anymore. <laughs> I, I, have, I have to say that based on the discussion, I was expecting... Sell you to give it a seven as well, but I'm confused. I don't know. I'm confused. There okay. was just something. I don't know if I can really describe it, but I don't know if I would revisit this episode. So that might be the. But you would revisit the other episode? Yeah, because I actually was amused by it so much. I really loved all the dialogue and the okay. discomfort and like the. And just like I really did. I, I especially liked a lot of the character moments. And this episode didn't have per se that many character moments that would entice me to come back and see it. It was just like one of those episodes where you're like, you're informed, you, you know, think it has much rewatch value. Is that right. what you're saying? I, is that, that's a Gary, do you think it has rewatch value? Uh, you do. Cause you gave it a seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the thing is when I started to watch the episode, I thought I saw all of them, but then with this one, I was like, hang on. There's something wrong because I don't remember this. So actually, I watched it like with so much anticipation. Like I said, what's going to happen? What's what's this episode? Uh-huh. Then on halfway through, actually, I clicked and I knew what is it. But 
I don't think that's one of the memorable episodes, but I'm, you know, if someone asks me about Utah, I will be able to say something. Yeah, yeah, she was the, you know, the assassin. And, no, as it, I don't think I will revisit this episode as often. I mean, if you're asking me an episode from season three, Manager Troy. <laughs> no brainer. <laughs> Not at least for me. <laughs> we haven't gotten to Manager Troy, have we? No, that's the end of the uh, season. Oh, very good. <laughs> just, I think just before Best of Both. So, Counselor Troy's uh, sexual adventures continue, it sounds like, <laughs> uh, throughout this season. In a very vivid episode. Yes. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> wow. Well, we'll, we'll definitely uh, uh, be very uh, intrigued when that time And comes. it's Lux on a True, so it's, it's a double, double, double thing. <laughs> oh, double, double treat for everyone. <laughs> I don't All remember right. the episode. Well, guys, uh, thank you. Another great discussion. I really enjoyed this time with you. Um, if there's nothing more to say, I'll I'll sign us out. Transmission over. Transmission <laughs> over. So live long and prosper, and we'll see you next time.